0: Hello, well-being friends, and welcome to the Path to Well-being in Law podcast, an initiative of the Institute for Well-being in Law. I'm your co-host, Chris Newbold, Executive Vice President of Alps Malpractice Insurance, and I'm once again joined by my my favorite and only co-host of the podcast, Bree Buchanan. Bree, how's it going today?
1: Good answer, Chris. It's going great. Great <laughs> to be here with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, obviously, most of you know Bree. Uh, Bree continues to be a forceful advocate in the well-being space, working for Krill Strategies and doing a number of different speaking engagements around the country. So, you know, again, we most of you know by now that uh, our goal here is to introduce you to thought leaders doing meaningful work in the well-being space, in the legal profession, and in the progress in the process build a uh, and nurture a national network of well-being advocates intent on creating a culture shift within the profession. And I, I got to tell you one of the things that that you know, I think I've come to realize the more work that I've done in the well-being space is the 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 power of storytelling and the power of what motivates people to get involved in things that are close to the heart or things that have had a personal impact on individuals. And today's guest, I, I think um, really epitomizes, you know, when something can happen in your life that changes the course of life, there is certainly a, a notion of that propelling a passion and an interest in an issue, and that certainly is the case with somebody that we really love in the well-being movement—the uh, one of the newest uh, additions to the Institute for Well-Being in Law's board of directors—and that's Javon Hicks out of Georgia. Um, I'm going to let Bree um, introduce. Javon to uh, to the listeners, uh, but just know uh, she's one of my favorite people. This is it's really a joy to bring her on this particular podcast, um, and so much of why I do this work is because of stories like you're going to hear from from Javon. So Bree, love it if you could introduce uh, Javon okay. to the to the listeners.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm just so been so happy that Javon has joined us on the board of directors, and she just has this quiet persistent, persuasive (laughs) nature to her, and you're gonna hear about all the things that she's been able to achieve. Um, So um, Javon Hicks serves as the chair of the State Bar of Georgia's Lawyers Living Well Committee and is a member of the Executive Committee for their State Bar's Board of Governors. She helped develop the State Bar of Georgia's first wellness and practical skills 12-hour CLE, which now which is coming up in just a few days, um, is really uh, blossomed into a wellness institute. And I'm excited, Javon, to get to be one of your speakers at that too. Um, She has spearheaded the movement to create a wellness center as part of the State Bar of Georgia. And really just all of these developments have uh, her fingerprints on all of them as as a catalyst for what's going on there. Javon's goal is to normalize the attention everyone should be paying to their own well-being and minimize the stigma that exists that keeps people from seeking help when needed. As such, Javon serves on the board of I Will and the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention. In her day job, and yes, besides all of that, she also is the Chief Senior Assistant District Attorney in the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. So welcome, Javon. Thank you for being here today.
2: Thank you so much, Bree, for having me. I'm really excited about being here, just as excited as I am about being on the I Will board. Very (laughs) excited.
1: Yay! Absolutely. So, Javon, (laughs) I'm going to ask you the question that I ask, or we ask everybody on the podcast at the beginning, um, to tell us... Why you are such a passionate advocate for well-being in the legal profession? What is um, in your life that really drives that passion?
2: Well, Brie, um, that question is one that um, you know most people ask, but it started over 18 years ago, almost 19 years ago now, um, when the father of my children, um and a very exceptional lawyer um, was dealing with depression and refused to get the assistance that he needed um, because he said he he said, I'm a good lawyer. I know that, you know, despite the confidentiality that exists, good lawyers can get past those guidelines and can get access to information. He did not want people to know that he needed help so he wouldn't go get help. And in, in um, August of 2004, so it's been 19 years, um, He he died by suicide because he would not get the help that he needed. I have two extraordinary daughters who were five and seven at the time. Mm. And I had to um, watched them like hawks. It was apparent that um, there were mental issues in his family um, that existed and and were known. And he had examples of his his uncle was a member of the bench for in in Detroit for 30 years. He was diagnosed, he took medication and was still successful, but yet and still, Even having that example that you could deal with it and still be successful, he still didn't want anybody to know he needed help. And so my fight and the work, the reason I do this work is to normalize the conversation around mental health and wellness and how it is okay not to be okay. Mm -hmm. And it's important that you get the help that you need because, and like I told my children, we're not going out like that. You know, we're going to make sure that every way possible that is available for you to get help, if you need it, we're going to get it. Um, my oldest is now an attorney herself, um, is an is a, um, assistant DA like me. Yeah. Oh, my um, goodness. Wow. So, <laughs> That's um, exciting. But she does work that is um, human trafficking work, oh and Lord. it is very difficult for her um, sometimes cause she takes it home cause she wants to help these children and she can't help the children and the justice system doesn't necessarily help these children. Right. And I'm, you know, just just yesterday is like sending her a new list of people to choose from the, to find a counselor to release that pressure. Cause she knows it's okay to get help cause we've had that conversation so that she won't be like um, her dad. And I have to add that um, his sister also died by suicide. Mm -hmm. a few years after that so um it's 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 just ingrained that if i can save a life um i'm gonna do that and i'm i have no doubt that you have already
1: through all the work and the advocacy that you have done that's definitely and your daughter is a new lawyer too she is she's only in in progress two years What the extra pressures that young
2: lawyers
0: are dealing with too? Yes, yes. Come on, tell me about you know again this notion that so many lawyers um, are prone to suffer in silence, right? And (sighs) and um, give me give me just give me your impressions of. I mean, obviously, I think a lot of us surmise what the why is, right? But but the the notion of are you um in in the 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 time that's went by right do you feel like there have been positive evolution in this area within the legal profession that it's as bad as it's ever been do you, what, what's your general sense of um of where we're at in terms of again lawyers being willing, able, and making that step to be able to talk about issues as opposed to suffer in silence?
2: So um, I do believe, Chris, that we have made major strides in lawyers uh, going and deciding to get help and not suffering in silence in the same way. And a lot of that has to do with the work that we all are doing here, as far as just giving it a voice because a lot of times people didn't know that other people were dealing with the same stressors. Unfortunately though, that number that still feels like if they need help as a lawyer, if they tell people they need help, then people won't come to them for help. And therefore they won't be able to be the lawyer and and have their livelihood that um, they need. Because if, if you can't, people just think, well, there's something wrong with them. So let me go to another lawyer. Mm. Um, and so as we, that's the reason it's so important to normalize this, this conversation. When people realize that we all have mental health issues, it's just in differing um, degrees of of what's happening in their life at the time, um, and that it's okay, then then you won't see someone and judge them. There's that, that stereotype that, um, and I don't know why we have placed this different attack on the mental health versus physical health. There's a difference. And until we conquer that, we're gonna have to continue to deal with that issue, but it has gotten better. And a lot of um, students, the law school students, because law schools are talking about it and including wellness as part of their processes, even if it's not part of the curriculum, they have um, someone in the schools who address mental health and so there are a lot of younger lawyers that aren't putting up with some of the things that we as, um, I would say, seasoned lawyers um, had to deal with in just um, expressing our growth. Um, yes. I live, I work in an office and I've been a prosecutor off and on for most of my career. And now I'm back into it. And there was no saying, um, mental health day, <laughs> okay. Well, take your file with you and come back tomorrow. I mean, that just wasn't part of the conversation. And now it is, um, you can take a, a sick day if you need it to, to regroup. And one other thing that we also tell people um, is that you don't have to wait until you're in crisis. And so as we spread that message, that has helped to be able to say, hey, reach out, um, talk to somebody, you're not in crisis, you just had a bad day because you want to get to the point where you're not waiting until you're in crisis in order to get that assistance. Mm -hmm. And that helps across the board.
1: Right. It makes such a difference. And because of that stigma, when I was a director of a lawyer's assistance program, what I saw over and over again, you know, what you'd always think when after you'd answer the phone is how could this person wait so long? And that really is an issue. People terrified of the blowback um, and so they just don't ask for help. And it's not that it's too late, but it's just so much more difficult too. so you, much more difficult yeah,
0: yeah. And, and don't you think, Jermon, that that you know when we talk about this culture shift, right that's needed in the in the in the legal profession that it is progress feels to me like the ability to raise your hand and say, I need help and for to not be judged, right to not feel like, well, how's this going to affect my standing in the firm, right how you know, that seems to be a pretty critical element of success in a culture shift is that maturation toward that level of vulnerability that people, right. when they're struggling mentally, have the ability and feel like they're going to be supported, not the, the opposite.
2: So, and that's so true. And that's why it's so important, if you can, in your wellness journey to find partners that are leaders in either the, the firm. We try to partner with as many judges as possible because um, lawyers do what judges say is okay to do. And so when you have a, a, a respected judge, especially because well, you have judges who will go and say, I, I get counseling. I mean, I have one of my judges who can be as honorary as he wants to be on the bench, but he spoke at one of our um, wellness CLEs last year, and he talked about, "Hey, he goes to counseling every week." And so, in my mind, I'm like, "Well, what would you do to people if you didn't?" Because you know, you are, you are you are something else. But that made it okay for a lot of people. It resonated that this judge says he gets counseling. This judge, especially when when you have someone in leadership that people look up to, and they are willing to say. That they get help, and you see that they're still able to carry on their jobs. People still respect them. Um, then you get other people that say, "Okay, well, it's okay for me to go get help too." Um, and that's what we we work towards. We partner with people, um, especially that have that are in the field and doing well. The partners is I don't have as much myself impact with partners, but we partner with people do who are in the big firms Um, a lot of the big firms are um, have instituted either a wellness partner or they have a counselor within the firm that people can go to and so they're seeing that they get a better product from a well lawyer Um, and so that's been and they can see that you know it always comes down to the bottom line in those instances and when you can show the bottom line not only does not decrease but increase when you have well lawyers and you support your lawyers, um, it makes a difference.
0: Yeah. Jermon, we you know that we're obviously recording this during Suicide Prevention Month. And I know that you've thought a lot about this topic. What do you what do you believe the profession should do to prevent more suicides? What's actually effective in your mind in terms of suicide prevention?
2: Um, talking about it, just like we said. I mean, that yep. is the that right there there is the number one way to help the profession and reduce um, the number of suicides among our profession. Because when people know that they can talk about it, they can, we normalize the conversation is not a closed door conversation anymore. We're having these seminars, we're having these CLEs, we're inviting our CLE that's gonna happen on this, at later this week, we have a full judges panel um, of judges who are talking about the, the things that they have gone through. I remember one, one of our CLEs was very powerful because we had a judge that talked about dealing with um, uh, uh, substance abuse. What you know that never would have happened before. Yeah. And when you when you have someone that is willing to put themselves out there, other people are willing to to go and get the help that they need. To me, that's the number one thing. Continuing to provide these educational opportunities, these conversations where people can hear from others who aren't just talking about it, but have lived through the struggle.
0: Yeah.
2: Live through the struggle. Yeah. And I say that again live through the struggle Mm -hmm. um, so that there's a positiveness on the other side. Doesn't mean the struggle is over, but they're living through it and able to make it show others how they can make it work for them. And so, that to me, number one, hands down. Um, that's why I also work beyond our legal profession in working with suicide prevention on a broader scale. Um, our teens are suffering at alarming rates that you just don't even, and that's social media driven in my mind. Um, and you, there's data to support yeah. that when you see it looks like everybody else's life is perfect, it makes yours sure look not so great. Yeah. Um, so we have to to work on that, but conversation is the number one key in my
0: opinion yeah and, mm-hmm. and it, it feels like the i just love what you said about you know it's the living through it and the ability to be able to reflect and share that those stories it, it does feel like one of the things that makes me optimistic is that more and more more and more attorneys are willing to do that at all sorts of various phases of their career right which ultimately yes. either um gives them the courage to be able to either pivot right or seek the resources that they need but it, 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 as we all know there's so many different degrees of, of surviving through it right and but but all of those degrees are important whether it's right you know um you know you know contemplating situations where lawyers assistance programs step in or or even just the average associate who doesn't feel like they belong in a law firm culture and wants to talk to somebody about it, right?
2: Exactly.
0: Or all sorts of stressors and anxiety creating things that happen to all lawyers, right? But if we, again, kind of internalize it and don't feel like we can talk to others about it, then we, in some ways, we we may be part of perpetuating it.
2: Correct. I totally agree with that. Um, One of the things that... We in Georgia, besides starting a Suicide Prevention and Awareness Committee, after we had a president, a state bar president, um, who died by suicide. And the president of the bar at that time, she took it upon herself to establish a Suicide Awareness and Prevention Committee. Um, and we did a full year, how to save the life campaign, mm. where we worked with ICLE to um, we did um, full videos and that's how I actually started my advocacy because she asked me because she knew my story because my husband wasn't just an attorney he was also the county attorney for where we live and so he was pretty prominent um, and she knew my story and so she asked me to be part of that campaign and what we did was what she did was work with our um, CLE approving committee the CCLC and got them to approve showing um, 30 a minute of a segment before every ICLE that year for a whole year if you took a CLE course you heard how to save a life and got you know information and links to how to get more or see the rest of the videos and that kind of thing and that campaign was powerful mm. I, I and bet. everybody yeah. had it had to reach everybody because you had to have 12 CLE so you saw that thing 12 times <laughs> <At least> 12 <laughs> you times. couldn't get away from it I couldn't get That's away from brilliant. my face um, of one of the faces that, that took part. So
1: That's a um, wonderful strategy. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: You're, you're, uh, forced audience. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. And so you've really been such a leader in the area of um, instituting well-being, suicide prevention, et cetera, among the bar associations. And I know we have plenty of listeners who are parts of the state task forces, that we work to start around the country, you lead up that lead that effort there in Georgia. Are there other things that you've seen or suggestions you have aside from CLE for what some of these folks,
2: um, uh, bar association folks, could be doing around the country? So one of the primary things, like I said, is is having conversation. Right, so it's important to partner with other organizations who are maybe like like minded, but they don't appear that way. So, I mean, you can partner with your lawyer's assistance programs, but you also partner with your local bar associations with their their walks. It could be an AIDS walk. It could be, um, it doesn't have to be a walk that's specific. It could be any kind of walk because it's physical activity. You partner with um, associations that are, you know, doing whatever and, they have you come and and talk to their people it could be a class or a session um on or it could be like uh, the lawyers club for instance where people are going to get business and and interacting for business but they put you on their program and you're in front of people that you normally wouldn't be in front of because they're not going to come to your wellness CLE, but they're going to go to a business um, interaction a business meeting or a development meeting um, and then you have an opportunity to partner with them. And when you bring people together, then you're spreading your message. You also get some information about building business as you give them information about how to institute wellness in that business. So that's one of the things that we do a lot of um, is partner with other organizations. Again, not just limited to the legal profession because lawyers are in other um, other organizations as well. So churches, you know, um, we partner with some church activities. Um, depending on you know what it is because we have a lot of the local bars will have events at church It may have a will seminar um, for instance um, at a church or adoption day or you know those are different kind of um, audiences that you can reach that you can share information with and so that's Mm -hmm. all again we're back to communication and and conversation Mm -hmm. so it keeps coming back to that partnerships
1: Right. And I would love how and specifically, you yeah.
2: Yeah. So I was going to say like,
1: finding places to go and share that message. A lot of times we just think up to CLE and then stop thinking, but you've really taken it so much farther than that.
2: Yeah. You can't stop thinking. <laughs> you got to keep, because it's it's not just us, right? We go home, you know, and the family is affected. You know, you may not be the only, you may be the only lawyer in your family, but you have, Other people, they're going to their jobs and they're affected by what you bring home. And so that's the reason you have to find ways to include them as well. Um, A lot of times when we partner, even when we're talking about the legal profession, we need to make sure that we're including paralegals and the support staff Mm -hmm. because they're dealing with that attorney that, you know, may be struggling and they have their covering for them if they're having problems um, with with the way their practice is going because they won't get the help that they need. So um, we have to be, um, we have to have our tentacles out if you will, to make right. sure that we're reaching as many people as possible.
1: And paralegals and court staff too. Yes. That's big you know. ally
2: yes. group. Yes. And it yes. feels
0: like Javon, that, that you know, again, I, I think my big takeaway from your conversation today, again, anywhere that you can start a conversation Within a community of folks who ha- who face similar challenges, that's a healthy conversation, right? Whether yes. it's whether it's you know bringing together you know county prosecutors and talking about common challenges, whether it's about bringing paralegals together and talking about you know that 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 nasty boss, right? That that makes me feel like I'm you know not deserving of the recognition that that I am, right? Or or exactly. the or the plaintiff's lawyers at the at the trial lawyer conference, right? Somebody getting up there and telling the stories, right? Of yes. of of struggle and perseverance and 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 finding a way through and how. And every time that we normalize a conversation through storytelling, right, we we make it easier for the next person to come forward and say, you know, I, I need some help, right? Or something's just structured here in the way that our profession is operating that needs either attention, work. Or, or probably both.
2: Right, um, and one of the things that um, we do when we partner with Lawyers Assistance Program, they have a, a program called Lawyers Helping Lawyers. And so yeah. just like we said, we wanna to get to the point where you're not waiting until you're in crisis. So you partner with someone who's similarly situated with this particular Um, problem or issue doesn't even have to be a problem an issue and you partner with them so they can understand because again we're trying to catch people before things become catastrophic and so if I'm struggling because I got a major case um, or for me for instance I have a murder case coming up and it's you know it's really gotten under my skin you know I don't before it feels like, well, I don't feel like I need to go see a therapist about that. Therapist is not going to understand. But another prosecutor may understand. And because that prosecutor can help me with how to deal with this particular issue, I'm not taking it all on so that when it gets, it get, and it builds upon itself so that I am then, you know, can't move or, you know, I'm so overwhelmed I can't do my job. But if I had just partner with somebody in the, at that initial phase, then you don't get there. And so, yeah. I'm I'm all about not getting there as many yeah. as many yeah. people I can keep from getting there. Um, and then, when if you are there, provide the resources that that people need to to keep going.
1: Yeah, yeah. support by peers is just such an effective way to to spread the message and support for folks. And I love what you're saying about you know not even having to go to a therapist but to be around people who have a similar background, who have faced the same problem, and as you using your words lived through it, and coming out the other side, uh, really, that can be uh, very impactful, and effective.
0: Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Uh, I'm going to come back and I want to unpack some of the stuff specifically that you're doing in in Georgia, right? Because again, I think you're You're leading the charge, right, to to the discussion, the conversations, the solutions, and and I want to spend some uh, some thoughtful minutes in that particular area as well. So we'll be right back.
1: You expect most things to be easily available online, so why should your malpractice insurance be any different? Your job as an attorney is already hard enough. You deserve an application that's easy. With Alps, you can apply, view rates, and accept your policy 100% online. Get back to your practice faster and add valuable time back to your day. Want to talk to a real person? Call, chat, email. Alps is here for you. Okay. One. Welcome back, everybody. And we are here today with Javon Hicks from Georgia, who is talking to us about what all is happening in the state of Georgia around well-being and she's really shared with us also a very powerful story of her own personal loss that's motivated all of this Siobhan, let me just drill down a little bit and talking about the well-being movement there in Georgia where you're such a leader particularly with a state bar and being on the board of governors even um could you just Tell us real quickly what you've done over the past few years, what you've been able to develop, but also really what is your plan for the future? What what, um, still remains to be done there?
2: So so I can tell you I'm so excited about Georgia and its path toward well-being. I mean, we started as a task force under leadership of one president who was like, it was part of his strategic plan. I was fortunate and we in Georgia are fortunate that we've had state bar presidents that have put well-being at the forefront of their activities. So the president-elect happened to be the one selected to be the first chair of the wellness committee. So when he became president, I was um, tapped to be, to take over for him as chair of the wellness committee and have done so since then. And so we became from a task force to an established um, committee of the bar. We, um, took that and established like I said that CLE where he actually paid for out of his his president's budget (laughs) to get us um, going so we've had tremendous support we've had like I said um, we had a chief justice of the supreme court as part of our wellness committee when we first got started so when you again the partnerships and having someone with that voice that can help carry the message now I had to do some work with him too because you know he would say I didn't want to to have a, a CLE while I was breathing for the whole time. So I was like, okay, judge. But um, we also uh, established a CLEs that were wellness CLEs before in order to get to do any wellness activities, it had to be incorporated into professionalism. That was the only way we kind of could couch it in order to do some wellness presentations. So we established a separate CLE that's wellness that you can get credit for. All by itself. So we did that. Um, we developed, we have subcommittees that focus specifically on um, well being, physical, mental, um, law students, um, social. So conquering and tackling that you have to only socialize at law firms with alcohol present and um, making it so that it's acceptable to expand that to. Uh, mocktails and mocktails being a signature drink as well as so I don't want to one of the things that I and some people disagree with me and which is okay Um, I'm trying to normalize the conversation I don't want to penalize people who you know they like those activities where they go and they get a drink and they drink responsibly the thing is to make it so that you don't feel like you have to in order to do that socialization. I don't wanna make it so that you can't or you look down on by the wellness community if you wanna take a glass of wine, but I wanna make sure that you don't feel like you have to take that glass of wine in order to be part of that interaction. And so that's the that's the changes that we're making in the mentality of the interaction. So we've, we've done that, we've moved on to, um, establishing a wellness we're we're right on the cusp we've got approved for a wellness center it's talking about moving forward to our um, future so we've taken this committee which is not going to go away because the committee is still part of the bar um, as a standing committee but the wellness center will pull together all of the um, activities that the state bar of georgia is phenomenal in the different ways it addresses wellness so we have um, the Wellness Committee, we have the Lawyer's Assistance Program, we have Suicide Prevention and Awareness, we have SOLACE, which is the organization that helps when there's a catastrophe that happens in a lawyer's life, a house burned down, there's a major illness um, and someone can't continue to practice So they need that other kind of support. Um, so we have the Lawyer's Assistance, I mean, the um, young lawyers have a Lawyer's Assistance Program that they institute And we also work with our law schools. So the center would kind of bring all of those entities together so that when someone calls the bar and they'll call the wellness center, there's someone that can point them in the right direction kind of to be the one stop shop, if you will. So people will know what resources we have and can help people get to where they need to be in order to get the the help that they need specifically. And so that's the goal of the center. Right now we're gonna be virtual. But you know, I'm knocking on that door for space and I'm knocking on that door for a person and they know I'm coming, they know I'm coming. They already know I'm coming. So so that's where we, that's how we're moving um, the the process forward. And again, like like I said, we partner with um, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. We partner with all the local bars. We partner with the um, affinity bars too because um, one of the things we know, that wellness has not been, we still have a long way to go when we talk about um, mental health and people of color, uh, because they have a different um, challenge a lot of times, because a lot of their cultures have made um, a level of stigmatizing mental health in a way that's beyond just general. Um, And so uh, we partner with with those bars as well, and then you have that problem um, in the black community. Period. Um, as far as my affinity, um, and so I work with that as well. Um, so those are the things that we're doing to move forward the bar. And I'm I'm just so excited. I think that Georgia is is um, doing so well in this area. Still a long way to go, yeah. um, but we we are moving that bar forward.
0: Yeah,
1: you really set a great example for others to follow.
0: Yeah. And I think one of the things that I, I most respect about the, what I'll just call it the Georgia model, so to speak, right, is that you started small, presumably with a few individuals, right? Those individuals became a task force. That task force became a center. That center became the 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 impetus, the the the, the driving force between the partnerships that's also expanded. The move. I mean, you've you've in essence built a a microcosm of what I will is trying to build at a national level right which is mm-hmm. you've grown a movement from you know from the concerns that you saw coming out of obviously your personal story um tell me why you think so many people are leaning into this issue because i, I do think i mean one of the things that Bree and i are most excited about is i mean the the number of people who are um you know, following I will, leaning in, volunteering, saying this is where I, you know, if I, if there's a place I can give back to my profession, this is the place where I want to give back because I think I have something to say or there's something that's bothered me in terms of my own personal journey. So tell me why you think so many people in legal and so many facets of legal are leaning into this particular issue.
2: Well, I think one thing is that we're doing a better job of meeting people where they are. So a lot of times people don't know they're doing wellness activities. They're doing their activity, you know. They're doing their activity, but it hasn't been identified. And once you tell them, you know, you you do go walking, right? You know, and you you are uh, working on that committee over there, or you're working on, um, you know, you you have conversations with people about how they're doing in your private your private conversations. You're a support person for your friends. Do you do know that has value? And that once you tell people, hey, that has value, they're like, huh, it does. And then they'll, they're more willing to share. A lot of times also, you just tap people on the shoulder. A lot of times people haven't done anything because they have, you, nobody's asked them.
1: That's right, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: And once you ask them to share their story or tell me how you're working out. Like a, we had, when we first started our um, wellness committee, We had a a, a judge from the um, federal bench who um, she was an avid cyclist, no, a runner. She was an avid runner, so she we pointed said, "Would you chair our our, um, physical um, well-being subcommittee and help us? Just the runs that you do, you know, just the running that you do, so that we can create other people that want to run." The state bar started a a cycle, a bicycle. section so hey when you're doing one of your bicycle sections because they also talk about bike law and blah 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 but when you're doing one of your rides we've incorporated their rides into our annual meetings and so um things that weren't connected to wellness we're now connecting them and people see that they fit and people just you know this um what's the acronym on the uh was a FOMO FOMO is real yeah. FOMO is real it is and if you let people feel like they're gonna miss out because they're not participating because you've tapped into something that they're interested in it's just going to expose them to another way of experiencing it um take advantage of it FOMO is yeah. real
1: Yeah, and that's a great motivator, absolutely. Javon, I'm thinking about people that may be listening to this and thinking about what they could do to motivate their state bar. And I'm just curious, did you learn any tips, tricks, things you could pass on to somebody who might be thinking about moving forward to try and create a committee or create, you know, a wellness institute, that sort of thing? Um, What worked for you, aside from your great passion and persistence? um what worked for you and any there anything that didn't work that you think you would tell people don't do this if you're dealing with your bar
2: so i really didn't come across anything that didn't work again i i keep going back to conversation take a look and assessment who in your organization or who in the organization who you want to move um do people listen to um whether it's the chief judge or you know the bar president, or it could be the executive director of the bar. It could be just um, not just, but it could be someone that doesn't have a leadership title, but people go to see what it is they like, don't like, and and talk and speak to that thing to be able to build that rapport, to build that conversation, so that they can buy in to the wellness movement. Because again, a lot of times people are doing wellness things and they you just have to talk to them the right way. We just had an, an example of a judge who, you know, was kind of dismissive about helping out. He, it wasn't that he was anti, nobody's going to say, nobody's going to go out there and say I'm anti-wellness. They're not going to say that. Not today. They're not mm-hmm. going to say that. But you have to you have to meet people where they are. And so saying, well judge, you know, we don't need you to do, you know, give us an hour give us what you can and have, let's have a conversation. And he was like, oh yeah, sure. It wasn't, you know, it just came across as a dismissal because of the way it first was the first approach. But if you, you know, and keep talk, sometimes you may have to talk to a person a few times to be able to um, get them to um, open up and and see what it is that what you're talking about is not a catastrophic change, and what it is, they're already doing or thinking about or been exposed to. But if you just come at it, oh, you need to do this for wellness, and you need to, you know, take breath exercises, and you need to meditate, and you need to, yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not a good meditator. That's not me. I tell people all the time. Unfortunately, I get, <laughs> I get my, um, I calm down by living, watching Criminal Minds on TV. So you know, I'm not necessarily. The that's your meditation. That, you know, that's my meditation. It helps me sleep at night. Don't judge me. But I'm just saying, um, find what works for you. And then if you're trying to build something, find what works for them. The person you're trying to convince, find what works for them. And if it's not you that needs to talk to them, maybe it's somebody they already know that you have a relationship with that person and they have a relationship with the other person because you, it's worth the work. So... If it takes a few extra steps to get there, then take the few extra steps to get there. Yeah. And I promise you, you can get there.
0: Yeah. Javon, we 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 know that we have the ability to transform what our profession looks like in our lifetime. You've already mentioned the fact that we you you feel like in in the last two decades, we've come a long way, right? Which gives us optimism that we can continue to transform, I'll just call it poor habits into healthier mm-hmm. stronger habits that allow us to put well-being as a core centerpiece of professional success as you think ahead to the future what what does success in the well-being movement look like to you what what type of legal profession would you like to leave I mean you you have a daughter now in in our in our profession as you think about her journey? Um, how, how would you, you know, what, what's your visual notion for what success looks like as we think about uh, what lies ahead?
2: I would really like our profession to look at how we do business because we have a structure that doesn't necessarily support wellness overall. I'm not going to say that B word, but we all know um, that it exists and it, it causes, a stress that is like none other and is not always necessary. So some of our clients don't want you to turn around something like in 24 hours in the middle of the night or while you're on vacation. Cause that means they have to then deal with it when you give it back to them. Um, but make sure, you, you know, there's ways to have conversations so that you may not get r- rid of the B word, but find ways to have different conversations with clients so that expectations aren't just, well, we've already d- always done it this way and we know that's what it's, what is expected of us. Well, it, it may not be. So make sure that if you're gonna put yourself on that wheel It's something that your client really needs and desires. So a lot of times if you have that conversation about expectations ahead of time, then that can um, help the flow of how we interact with our clients and therefore how we do business. I would love for us to get to that point where that um, all-nighter or taking a call when you're on vacation and it's halting your time with your family and your friends that you already planned right? You know, you didn't just buy that ticket yesterday to Italy. I'm just saying that because I just got back from Italy, but you didn't just buy that ticket, you know, so you plan this time off. So um, make it so that you can have that time off. Emergencies happen. Yes, we know that, but make sure it's an emergency Um, and make sure your client understands that. And I think more clients than not would move along so that you know that if they are calling you, it is an emergency. I mean, it's not gonna be across the board, but it can be a lot better than it is right now. On the a broader front, I am committed to working and trying to find, like getting involved with the insurance agency, insurance industry, because if you can make wellness one of the uh, free annual checkups, the same way most of the insurance companies have instituted having an uh, annual physical, then you help reduce stigma because everybody's available to get an annual mental health checkup, for instance, and therefore you have somebody that can, you know, maybe monitor from year to year if there's some major changes that, you know, aren't coming out. or to allow somebody the freedom to talk when they've been scared to talk because everybody has it as part of their their insurance. It's just my wellness check, you know? And um, if we could, that would go a long way to normalizing the conversation. So that's one of my big heavy lifts beyond just the the legal.
1: Well, and I believe that you will accomplish it because it seems <laughs> that whatever you put your mind to, Siobhan, you you do, so.
0: Yeah. Well, I was just you. gonna say, John, you you are a powerful force in our well-being movement. We are so fortunate that uh that you have joined our ranks. You know, it's a it's a it's a pleasure and a privilege to serve with you on the I Will board. And it's and we really want to genuinely thank you for sharing your story today. Um and and all of the things that I think I mean you look through such a a, a, a healthy lens in terms of where where we need to go behaviorally organizationally through storytelling through facilitating conversations there's just so many good nuggets that you've thrown to our listeners today we are so thankful that you came on the podcast and and uh we'll always be in your cheering corner as we as we continue to move on um and do great things together
2: well thank you so much thank you for having me it's been quite a pleasure and you know I, again i'll talk to you <laughs> i'll talk to anybody <laughs> about wellness so.
0: All right. sure. Thank you, Sean. All right. So for our our listeners, we'll be back in just a couple of weeks. Uh, Bree and I are kind of contemplating some evolution in the formats and doing some different kind of things, bringing some roundtables on, talking about recent news and things that we can kind of weigh in on. And and again, continuing to vary the content, because if folks are coming to us for content, you know, we want to be right there on the cutting edge of what people are talking about or going to be talking about. In the near future, on the well-being front, and so we're excited about some of the things that are coming on the horizon uh, here with the podcast. But again, one special again, thank you to Javon for joining us on this particular podcast, and we should be back in just a couple of weeks with fresh content. Thanks for thanks for tuning in.